This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am Jalen. Over there is John. John, it is good to see you. How are you doing? How's your week been? Hey, Jalen. I like how you said over there because our listeners definitely can't see us because we only release audio, but on my screen or on our screens, we must be next to each other. You're still over there. Yes, that's right. I am <laughs> over here in California and you are yep. over there in Illinois. That's right. So it's good to see you, Jalen. Uh, I am doing well. Um, this past weekend was a little bit hectic, a little bit crazy, um, just because, you know, last, I think I shared in a previous week that I was on staff retreat and our staff retreat was Monday to Wednesday. Um, and so because of that, I had a shorter week for prep and I somehow ended up as the one who preached the Sunday after staff retreat. So I think my prep was a little bit behind and, um, I was just feeling, you know, uh, feeling the, the press of, of time and um, was ready by Sunday morning. But interesting enough, um, I don't know how you are when it, when it comes to your preaching, if you are, if you like to um, review how you did, or at least like make notes. Um, I feel like this is for me, something I've been trying to grow in. And so I, I try to, and again, also because of COVID, it's been easier to watch all of our sermons now because we weren't previously recording, but now we are. And so I felt like um, I usually preach in the morning service at our main campus and I go up to the church plant preach in the afternoon. And this particular weekend, I just felt like my morning message was suboptimal, if, if I could use that, those words, um, which, you know, I think people uh, seem to still get something out of it, which is a testimony to the fact that our preaching is not about us and it's about what the Lord wants to say to people, though I think just objectively for me as a pastor, I do want to improve. And so I, I was maybe a little bit hard on myself or wanted to be hard on myself after Sunday morning because I felt like I could have been more clear about certain things or been more dynamic a little bit in my preaching just to help get the point across. Um, so I'm, I am thankful that it seemed like people still were convicted and challenged and encouraged. Um, but I made some adjustments in the afternoon and uh, the afternoon I felt like went better. I was more engaged. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it entirely, but yeah, it's kind of a, a interesting weekend. And so had a chance to do a little bit of reflection on how that went, but what about you? What's your week been like? Uh, yeah. And in, in a second, I'll, I'll talk about that. I, would, I wanted to ask actually, how do you review your sermon? Like, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's challenging if it, you're preaching in the morning and then you got to go preach right away in the afternoon. You can't probably yeah. listen to to the sermon back over, but how do you usually do that? 
So, I mean, this time I didn't listen to it again. I think I already knew once I finished after the first service, I was like, yeah, I think I need to make some adjustments for the afternoon. Hmm. Um, I don't know about you. I just, I just have a gut feeling usually when I know that I'm, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, and just a sense of like, I think this is exactly what the Lord wanted me to say. And I did it. And then I felt a little bit on Sunday that maybe I had not fully communicated what I needed to communicate. And so, Hmm. um, I just barely had time in between services because we have an 11 AM service. And then I go up at four to the other one, but in between I'm usually eating lunch with my young adults and having to get ready, um, go home and stuff. And so I actually, (laughs) this sounds really bad, but maybe maybe we'll take this out. Who knows? Um, but, uh, I actually on the car ride up, I kind of mentally went through the whole sermon and it's, it's almost a 30 minute car ride, um, from our main campus to our church plant or from my home to our church plant. And so, um, that was the time I reviewed while I was driving actually. Yeah. And then by the time I got there, wrote down one or two quick things on my manuscript and then, uh, preached the second time. Yeah. Do you manuscript all your sermons? Sorry, I'm like turning this into a, I'm, I'm going to interview you on how you prepare <laughs> sermons right now. Uh, I do still manuscript my yeah. sermons. Um, so do I. Mm-hmm. I think that one, that was the way we were taught or the way I was taught uh, at Moody. And then two, I think um, I have a tendency to ramble. If you can't tell that by how this podcast is going so far, I do have a tendency to ramble. And so the manuscript really helps me to um, think about what I want to say before the preach and um, really refine my words and be intentional with what I say so that I don't end up rambling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. No, I, 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 I also manuscript. That is how I was also trained at Moody. And I find that um, having the manuscript and I actually stick almost pretty much like word for words to my manuscript when I'm in the pulpit, when I'm preaching. Yeah. Same. And so I just find that to be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. I, I'm glad that you review. I'm glad you, that you try to listen back to it. That's something that I, th- I think is really hard for me as well, just because I don't, cause I think you're right. Like there's a, there's a sense in which like after you finish, there's a gut feeling of how things went and you yeah. don't necessarily want to endure it again by listening to it. Right. Yes. If it's not good. But yeah. that is that is part of the way that at least I feel we get better at it, that we grow in it, that we uh, can pick out where we can uh, improve. So, yeah. And, yeah. and I just want to make sure to we to reiterate that that's not to say that you know how it lands on people's hearts is like all on us, because I do believe that how people receive it, it's how the Lord wants to work in them. You know, but I have to be faithful. We have to be faithful in our preaching. Uh, and to do well, right? And to yep. well in the sense of to be prepared, to communicate well, to remove any obstacles on our listeners, you know, um, so that they can just receive the word that God wants to give them that morning. And yeah, so, uh, but yeah, you asked earlier how I review. Usually I go back and I watch myself on YouTube. Um, I don't take notes, but maybe I should like put it on the big screen, you know, slow-mo it just like a like an nfl team does or something review the tape the game tape no i I usually just watch it back and if i 
catch something or feel like, oh, I could have done that better. Uh, I might actually go back and change it in my manuscript so that if I needed to preach that again someday, uh, it's it's been changed, you know, in that old manuscript. Interesting. That's good. Yeah. Do you, sorry, sorry, because you said you were doing it in slow mo. This is turning into an interview for you for how many <laughs> sermons. Um, oh, I was kidding about the, the slow motion thing. Okay. Yeah. But I actually, when I do it, when I watch it on YouTube, I watch it in one point five or 1.25 speed oh faster just okay. to get through it <laughs> but anyways no. i was curious about that no i mean like sometimes like if i'm driving i might pull it up on youtube yep. and just yep. play it in the car um right yeah it is a little weird but i feel like probably having this podcast has helped me get used to the sound of my own voice mm. so fair yeah. enough yeah in any case nobody came here to hear us talk just the two of us so yeah. <laughs> right yeah, but quick update. Um, I'm also feeling a time crunch for preaching this week. Um, I'm the the last half of this week. I am going to be at our TICI conference, the Thriving Immigrant Churches Initiative Conference. It's going to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and so, uh, each of the churches, the twelve churches that are part of this cohort, have to present. Um, the last year's worth of work and what we've kind of been learning. And so I'm the designated presenter for that. So I've got to prepare and present that. And then also we are starting a marriage seminar, a six week Mm -hmm. session this Sunday for our church. And I think I've shared with, with, with you before, like, I think 90%, if not higher in our congregation is, you know, young families. And so we have a lot of couples uh, and this is the first time in a long time that we've had like a marriage seminar or a marriage um, centric kind of focus for our, our, um, for our congregation. So preparing for that, I'm going to facilitate that. It's a video series, but I'm going to facilitate it. And so with this conference, with the marriage seminar coming up, I'm definitely feeling the crunch for Mm, uh, preaching. And um, for whatever reason, my kids also had Monday and Tuesday off this week. And so, you know, I spent a little extra time with the kids. And so, uh, yeah. Um, it's a crazy got, week. Crazy yeah, weekend. Crazy week. What crazy uh weekend. for that yeah. for that marriage class, marriage seminar, what material are you guys using? Is so it- yeah, there's um there's a there's an there's a book named Sacred Marriage written by Gary Thomas. And he has a video series. For whatever reason, our church, they are not readers. And mm. so anytime we propose like we're gonna do a book series, we're gonna do a book study, it's like always met with a ton of resistance. And people are always afterwards like, you know, it was fine, it was good, but can we not read? And I'm like fine so we're gonna do a video series this is a video huh. series and it's a 25 minute each each session there's a 25 minute video series uh, session and then just do some discussion questions and just kind of you know break off into either couples or a couple couples and hmm. we'll discuss that way so cool anyways that is the weekend a uh, lot to do but i'm excited that today we are interviewing somebody who will be at that marriage seminar because he is somebody who is part of the church that I serve. His name is Taylor Baird. He is the youth pastor at Chinese Christian Fellowship Church, which is also the church that I serve at. Taylor and I sit, I think probably about eight feet away from each other. (laughs) Our office space is pretty small. So there's three of us uh, on staff that sit very close to each other, which is, I think for the most part, really great. So I, I enjoy that. And so Taylor, we're really excited that you're on. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. It's good to see you again, Taylor. Uh, it, it, was good to see you, John. 
it was a blast meeting you uh, over the summer at Jalen's ordination. And I'm really glad that you're on the podcast with us. Um, we just wanted to start off with you, especially because this is your first time on our podcast, though hopefully not uh, your only time. Um, we, we usually like to start with having our guests share a little bit of their own journey and their call into ministry. Um, so could you just tell us a little bit about how the Lord brought you to CCFC? Well, I am originally from the West Coast, which, as I understand, is where you are right now, John. And I transplanted to the Midwest to go to Bible college, went to Moody as well. So that makes three of us here, went to Moody. While I was at Moody, actually, from my, my very first Sunday in Chicago, up until the time I came to CCFC, I attended a church that was uh, near Chicago's Chinatown. It actually, um, this particular congregation had its origins as a church split off of a large uh, Chinese congregation in the city. And so probably about, probably 50, 60% of the congregation uh, were, of, were of Chinese heritage. Many of them had grown up in Chicago's Chinatown. Um, actually, probably more than 60%, probably three quarters. And I stayed there for almost almost seven years. And so during that time, I finished Bible college. And as I was graduating, kind of the choice about what to do next was that it came up and me and my my now wife, then fiance, we were pretty committed to to that specific church that we were, we were at in the city. And uh, we were involved with the youth. And so we decided, let's stay in the city. Let's work with the youth. Uh, but they couldn't afford a full-time youth pastor. And so I worked at restaurants for a few years while I was kind of like the volunteer youth guy there. And it was a pretty natural movement into, we started living in Chinatown, uh, the Chicago Chinatown area. We were serving at a church that wasn't quite a Chinese heritage church, but had a lot of people who um had come out of that uh, that was like their childhood church and it was a pretty natural slide into living in chinatown a growing a growing i think admiration for immigrants in general and in particularly chinese immigrants it was just our, our life for a few years and it was actually during that time that i was my wife was teaching english in chinatown and we had a newborn and so i would rush home from work and I would take our newborn, I would, I would push her around Chinatown and I would listen to podcasts. And I have, to this day, I, I do not know how I came across the Bamboo Pastors podcast, but somehow I did. And I knew about one of the churches that John, you served at. I knew about uh, Wheaton. Oh. Mm -hmm. I did not know about Chinese Christian Fellowship Church. So one day I just happened to look up the church and I saw on their, like on their on the website that uh, they were looking for a youth pastor. Mm. And that was like a year before I ended up actually applying. So then in, in God's providence and different events that occurred, um, it wasn't working out for us to stay in the city anymore and just for me to be working in the places I was. And me and my wife were kind of looking at different options. And I said, well, we've been serving in this in this church in this context and during that time was actually kind of where i felt 
particularly, specifically wanting to work with teenagers, which even when I was in Bible college, youth ministry was something I was doing, but it wasn't something I necessarily saw myself like, like giving myself to. But um, I remembered that CCFC was hiring, looking for a youth pastor. So I emailed uh, one of the guys and I said, are you guys still looking for this youth pastor position? And I think within like three minutes, it was crazy. Like within three minutes, I got a reply. Yeah, the guy who we're, I'm, I'm, we're actually pretty close to now. And within a few months, we moved up into the suburbs. I've been here since May. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a reason that John and, and John, John and I have joked about how we should <laughs> charge CCFC a finder's fee. <laughs> because you are now part of our church through hearing about us um, on the podcast. So that's really exciting. Yeah. I, I love as you're sharing how it seems as if God has kind of been preparing you, not just for youth ministry, but also like ministry in a Chinese heritage church. You weren't necessarily in a Chinese heritage church per se, but it, it, it was a church plant that came out of a Chinese heritage church. There were a lot of ethnically Chinese um, and Chinese Americans who were part of the church that you were attending when you were here in Chicago, but uh, you not being ethnically Chinese uh, and not growing up in a Chinese heritage church, but now being at a Chinese heritage church, heritage church uh, what are some of the unique blessings that you've noticed or observed um, that maybe are distinct to being in the Chinese heritage church? Yeah, well, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot. I think that the number one thing that, so like you said, me not being ethnically Chinese, but also having sort of like a, a little bit of a taste of, of that when I was living in the city. I think that one thing that many other churches don't have, and that maybe those who have grown up in a Chinese heritage or immigrant heritage church don't realize is how what a blessing it is to have many generations interacting in a very unique way in the churches i grew up in yes we we loved each other and and yes there was there was a lot of uh interaction but it's not quite the same level of family feeling that i have felt um since coming to to ccfc there's a very unique dynamic at play there. And yes, I do think that at times it presents challenges, which I, I think we'll probably talk about in a few minutes. But I think the overarching blessing of having that interplay, that interface is a very unique blessing. And I think uh, it's one that I, not having grown up in that context, am, am really coming to, to cherish. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, you know, uh, coming from from the outside and in now, um, have there been particular things that you have noticed as these are some challenges or blind spots that the Chinese Heritage Church faces? Um, because I think for Jalen and I, and probably for a lot of our listeners, um, many of us grew up in the Chinese Heritage Church. This is, for the most part, the only church we've known. Um, not the only one, but we've spent the majority of our lives and ministries in them. And so, you know, sometimes it's hard to see when you're in the middle of it. So it's helpful to have a different perspective. Are there any things that you feel like um, you've just noticed as things that are extra challenging for the Chinese Heritage Church? 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm like six months in. And so I feel like on the one hand, being new to full-time ministry while also uh, serving in a, in a, in a church that's just a different context from what I grew up in. In some ways I, I may, maybe I don't really know how it would be different at a non uh, Chinese heritage church, but I think that kind of practically speaking, especially as, uh, so our church is structured. We've got a, a Chinese ministry and English ministry in a shared youth ministry. So I get students, uh, from both roughly 50, 50, 50% from the Chinese uh, side, 50% from the English side. And I think that it just practically speaking, logistically speaking, one of the challenges is, is just communication. Mm. I have two, not only two different pools of parents and students to communicate with, but in some ways, two different styles of communication. And so I, I think that that has probably been in my, in my whopping six months, having served in a Chinese heritage church, that's been the, the, the particular issue that I have, uh, that I am learning to navigate. I think that's the most like upfront challenge. It also presents, I think, really cool opportunities. I think that the different dynamics and the different styles of communication uh, adds to a richness in having to sort of pursue communication and pursue clarity on a level that I haven't had to before has forced me to have conversations and to think through what I'm saying and how I'm saying it in a way that sort of funnels me into a greater clarity. So it's a challenge for sure. It really is. And it's also, it's also an opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's really interesting because I, I really appreciate how you saw this as a challenge. Um, like these two different communication styles. And it sounds like that you have put in the work to try to bridge those things, right? To bridge these two different styles or bridge these congregations into your youth ministry. Whereas I feel like maybe, maybe I'm only speaking for myself. Having grown up in this like in-between cultures in many ways, um, and like, like having a, another congregation or another generation that uh, is very different culturally, different languages has become such a norm in my life that almost it's not that I don't want to bridge the gap, but it's just like you just live with it. You're like, oh, yeah. you know, we're just not going to fully understand each other in some ways. And it's almost because we've been in it for so long that we, that at least for myself, I, I just kind of take it for granted that there's going to be this communication gap and we'll just work through it, whatever, move forward. But I really like how you're proactively trying to bridge those gaps. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's, that's a challenge for me personally. So thank you. Yeah, no, it definitely, it, it definitely adds a richness to it. Like, and kind of like what you're saying, um, I think coming from the outside, I've never really had to, to I've never had to bridge that gap in, in the same way. And to me, it's been, uh, it, it adds a richness to engaging with people that, um, that I'm still coming to understand, but also really coming to coming to love. I know you shared that um, having that sense of family has been really refreshing for you being at a Chinese Heritage Church. Are there other things that you've been personally blessed by being in a, in a Chinese Heritage Church? Uh, maybe things that have helped you grow spiritually or, or, you know, personally, like what are some things that you've been blessed by just being 
in the life of kind of aside from the the ministry stuff, what are some things mm-hmm. that you've been blessed by in your own just personal growth? Yeah, I honestly, I think this is probably my favorite question that you guys sent them to me before. So when we, I, I, I'm married to, uh, I, I'm married, my wife is Asian. She looks Chinese. She's not Chinese. And as we were sort of thinking through what we got married kind of in the middle of the pandemic um life was it was pandemic life but then as things started to open up we started to say okay well where where could we go where could we go and we started thinking through um different kinds of churches we might want to jump into if full-time ministry was the was the route what sort of church did we want to um to engage with and we kind of came down to three three things. Uh, lots of families, which I, I know I had mentioned before. That, that's been a huge blessing. Uh, clear preaching, which Jalen provides weekly. And and lastly, uh, we would we would like it to be in an ethnic church. And those three things have been have been a massive blessing. It's like it's like God sort of said, Yeah, you've been praying for this exact church. So personally. Mm-hmm seeing God's providence and bringing us to a church that is so richly what we wanted is unbelievable. I mean, like, had I, if I were able to like, you know, sketch out the church that we wanted to end up at, like, this is it. So it's Mm -hmm. been, it's been amazing. But also I think that I feel like the three pastors on staff, myself, you, Jalen, and, and then our our Mandarin speaking pastor, Pastor Shubin, I feel like I've learned so much from working in um, working in that team. We each have our sort of spheres of um, of the church, the Chinese ministry, the English ministry, and the youth ministry. And I feel like learning how to learning how to um, do those ministries in a way that sort of uh, engages well with the other two and the challenges and the opportunities that that brings, not only because there are three different ministries in one church with two different congregations, but also because, um, of the language, the language gaps and the culture gaps. I think that has been a huge personal blessing. Um, we meet, I mean, Jalen, you know this, but we meet on Thursday mornings and it's a, it's a prayer time, but we also, usually end up talking for like an hour or two just talking about life and ministry Mm -hmm. and how to sort of keep things running in a way that is faithful and efficient that has been a massive personal blessing i know you said not necessarily ministry things but personally uh problem solving um cultural issues life issues ministry issues um lifting each each other up in prayer that has been a that has been a huge personal blessing, um, and then uh, one that I had written down because was that my my wife is learning Mandarin. She's always wanted to learn Chinese, and now we're at a Chinese speaking church. So personally, seeing my wife get to not just learn Chinese but to engage and be and feel welcomed has mm-hmm. been a massive personal blessing for me. Um, so I, I feel like I could keep going on, but those have been kind of the, kind of the big ones. Well, that's awesome. You know, I, Jalen and I have 
talked for a while at length about the open position at CCSC and, and their youth ministry or your youth ministry. And uh, I've been praying for, for you guys uh, to fill that role. And um, Taylor, I think to me, it just sounds like this was uh, a fit from the Lord, right? That, that Absolutely. Uh, they needed a youth pastor and you were looking for a church um, like them. And, and, you know, in many ways you can be mutually a blessing to one another. And, and I think that that just sounds yeah, sounds great. Sounds awesome. And I'm looking forward to coming back to Chicago sometime and hanging out with Jalen and hearing more about, uh, and, and not just Jalen, but hanging out with Jalen's kids and hearing about uh, what the youth ministry is doing and what, what you guys are uh, learning about Jesus together. And, and that's just really exciting. Um, you know, because, um, yeah, again, like as someone who uh, is now um, stepping into a role at a church that uh, culturally is is new that you're learning and it already sounds like you're learning a lot about um, the culture of the Chinese Heritage Church um, and and really that's that's still a kingdom culture right because that this is how God has wired us and there are parts of our culture that are being refined and restored and there's other parts I think that are God-given and they really express Jesus um, but I'm wondering as you look at uh, the church like the big C church and the place where the Chinese Heritage Church fits within it. Um, do you feel like you've gotten a, a greater appreciation or a better sense of how God has really wired his church, not just the, specifically the Chinese Heritage Church, but the church as a whole? Yeah, I think that, well, so it's, it's very interesting. I, I kind of grew up, my, um, my grandparents were missionaries. My, my parents were in ministry. And so I feel like in one sense, I, I grew up with a sense of an exposure to the global church. I mean, as, as much as a, as, a, as a child can be. And got to sort of experience churches in other cultures and churches that did things in different ways. And so I've gotten to see how mutually blessing different congregations can be. But, you know, the one um, type of congregation that I had never really engaged with was, was the immigrant church. And to see not just a, from, from my perspective how a church in another culture does things, but also how immigrants who have moved from one culture into my culture in order to build lives strive to build their lives. And I think that the drive for excellence that the Chinese Heritage Church brings to the table is something that I have seen uh, in some ways as like a, not, not a rebuke to the largely white churches that I grew up in, but as a way that we can learn from and sort of the high standards and the drive to get things done well and to, to sort of drive for excellence in all things is a way that I think that the rest of the church, and specifically in, in the American context, can learn from. Uh, and in, in even my six months serving in a Chinese heritage church, that's a way that I have actually consistently come back to uh, and, and thought to myself, we need to learn from what these saints who have gathered together offer, not just within our congregation, but, but more broadly as well. So I think that's one way I can think of kind of honing in on youth ministry, are there particular mm -hmm. challenges that youth in the Chinese Heritage 
church face more than in other non-Chinese heritage churches, just from your, from your experience growing up in a non-Chinese heritage church, and also just as you've observed things, what are some challenges you've seen there? Yeah. So I, I think that in some ways, this was the most challenging question that I was thinking through. I'm not sure what I, what I thought things were going to be like as I entered into uh, the youth ministry at CCFC. I'm not really sure what expectations I had, but I think that the overwhelming sense to me was how, how similar the teenagers in, at CCFC are to all the other teenagers I've met. In many ways, they are struggling through, actually in all ways, they're struggling through a lot of the same things and they are um, following a lot of the same cultural trends that other Gen Z American teenagers are facing. I think the one thing that I have been able to sort of sense as a, a unique element is sort of what I was talking about before. Uh, what I think Chinese immigrants often bring to the table is a drive for excellence. I think that um, that also can put pressure on Chinese, Chinese immigrant teens. So. I think that all teenagers are often swamped in how much they're doing, but I do think that there tends to be uh, more of that since, since I've seen it at CCFC. And I have been wanting to sort of shepherd that well, on the one hand to say, this is a, this is a unique um, drive and a unique um, sort of pressure that they may have and wanting to say, and affirm in my students, like, listen, this is this is not a bad thing. This is a really, really good thing. The drive for excellence, uh, the the push to to be um, as best as you can be, and in many times to do as many things as you can do, is is a really good thing. And I want to affirm that. But on the other hand, there have been times where I've also wanted to say, you know, specifically in in the Chinese heritage context. You're saved by grace. And I think that your identity uh, is sometimes at danger of becoming lost in, in that drive. And I think that, that that is a unique a unique challenge with these students that I've been working with. And again, it's something I want to affirm as, wow, it's a really good drive, but also shepherd well. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. And actually, I, John, I want to put you on the spot and ask you the same question because you've worked with youth in Chinese heritage churches for a number of years now. What, what's your perspective on that? Like, what are, mm. what are some of the particular challenges that youth in the Chinese heritage church face that may be different than in non-Chinese heritage churches? Yeah, I mean, I think I, uh, for the most part, agree with Taylor that there are a lot of things that are the, are the same, that, that no matter what youth ministry you step into, kids are going to be wrestling with uh, questions about identity and belonging and purpose. Um, I, but I think one of the things for me, when I think about my students or even about my own journey uh, with Jesus as a teenager, that I had to wrestle with eventually um, questions about how does my cultural background really intersect with 
uh, my faith in Jesus. And, you know, growing up, it, it's probably more, more evident at church than it is at school or it is at, um, you know, in other places that, that as a young person, I had kind of lived between two cultures or maybe because of church. That's one of the areas, especially in the Chinese Heritage Church, where I really sense or we really sense that there is a first generation culture um, that's pretty different from the culture oftentimes of our surroundings, especially if you don't live in like an immigrant, you know, enclave like Chinatown. Um, so I, I feel like for um, for teenagers in the Chinese Heritage Church, they when they ask this question of like identity and belonging and purpose, um, many times those questions have to be framed within the like the context or the light of being someone who is like I'm Chinese American and I navigate multiple cultures on a daily basis. Some days I may identify more with my Chinese cultural background. Other days I may identify more with my um, American cultural background. Um, and there are days when I don't identify with either. And I feel like I'm trying to figure out who I am outside of those things. And so uh, I just feel like that question of identity, it, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like other people don't wrestle, wrestle with that question, but I feel like it, it cuts at it, or it, it, it's a question that we have to wrestle with at so many different layers, at so many different levels of, of who we are, um, that that's just, you know, an extra challenge that, that we face, um, that young, young people in our churches face. And I think we, we owe it to them or we want to help them wrestle well with this question of who has God made me to be both as a child of God, but also as, um, someone who's has connection with Chinese American heritage, um, and especially what does that look like in the church? And so, yeah, I, I feel like I was a little all over the place with the answer, Jalen. No, it, that actually makes me think of, um, so yeah, the second thing I had written down is one, one challenge that I feel like I'm, after it's taken me six months to sort of begin to press into or to roll into to, to see is exactly what you were saying. What I had written down is it's, it's almost like, um, some of my students go back and forth between wanting to embrace their Chinese identity, but all, but or on the other end, wanting to reject it in some ways. And I feel like I, I'm still in the learning process of that of that dynamic. And one thing that it's made me think of is I don't know if you're familiar with with the term TCK, the third mm -hmm. culture kid, what is often used to describe sort of that the, the challenge the identity challenge that missionary kids or or children who have grown up in a different culture face mm -hmm. is a lot of those principles and the things that i've heard talked about apply actually really really well to to my students yeah we're not necessarily who are not necessarily tck's but are living as as immigrant children and that that, that question of identity and what to embrace, how to embrace it. I feel like I'm learning with them in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely use that term um, for 
students that grew up in the immigrant church. I mean, I think classically or normally it's maybe applied more specifically to someone that might have grown up or lived, uh, you know, overseas or something. But for sure, in the immigrant church, you oftentimes in your uh, in your navigating of two different cultures that are are very different, a third one forms in between. And that happens here just as much as overseas, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as we continue to think through, you know, one of the themes that we've talked about for this season of our podcast is sort of the way forward. Like, what are we, what are we kind of looking forward to um, with our, you know, Chinese heritage churches? You know, there is, there is absolutely a place for immigrant churches like Chinese heritage churches, because there are so many people who are struggling with these sorts of identity issues, not just youth, right? I mean, even, even, even for us as adults, this is something that we constantly are, are working with and thinking through. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, Chinese heritage churches and immigrant churches are, uh, you know, very, very necessary, very important, even in our American context. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we got a chance to kind of touch on that a little bit. Well, Taylor, we're really thankful that you've been on and uh, really thankful for just your, your answers um, and your thoughtfulness in, in answering these questions. Uh, but as we wrap up, we like to end with the same question on each of our podcasts. And I'll ask you that question. What is one piece of advice or encouragement you would give to someone currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? Do not grow weary. Proclaim the gospel and continue to be courageous on the one hand but sensitive on the other. That's, that's the place that I've landed mm. um, after my whopping six months of experience. That is the, the route that I'm taking, that uh, line, it's not really a line, but that stance of courage and sensitivity. Yeah, that's a good word, Taylor. Thank you. I think even though it's only been six months, um, it, there's just so much wisdom in that. And so, I hope is that you would live into that, that our listeners would live into that, that courage and um, perseverance, I think, in, in serving and in serving faithfully and serving well. So thank you for coming on the podcast with us today. We had a blast hanging out and talking and uh, just hearing a little bit about what God is doing in your life and your ministry. Great. Thank you, guys. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.